Hello there, and welcome back to the SWTVC podcast, the audio home of the SWTVC crew and the ongoing push for the continued existence, expansion, and success of the heritage scale of Star Wars collecting. I'm your host, Evan Freeze, or as you may know me on Instagram, at Mile High Ground, and oh boy, it's been a while. Uh, as you know, March Madness ended some time ago. It is now May, uh, but... During March, we did have the opportunity to sit down and do a fun little interview slash just shooting the, well, you know, with a really cool individual. Uh, Anyway, I won't waste all of your time at the top of the show here. Uh, Let's just go ahead and get right into it. All right. Well, um, today we're honored with an awesome guest, um, Eric of Hole in the Ground Productions. Um, I think your name and company is is well known in this community. Um, but just for those who, who aren't familiar with you, uh, tell us about yourself and Hole in the Ground Productions. All right. Well, um, first off, thank, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm actually a fan of uh, your podcast and listen to it all the time because uh, three and three quarter vintage is, is kind of my thing. Um, Amen. <laughs> yeah. Long live three and three quarter. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, how I, how I got started is a little bit of an interesting story because it, it's nothing I at any point set out to do (laughs) it's more of one of those the dominoes of life just kind of sometimes go in interesting ways uh back when i was in my very early 20s um i i made a couple friends and we were working at a uh a haunted house attraction i love that and we were all really big into movies big movie fans and this was about the time where camcorders had just gotten smaller and a little bit more affordable and so we're all like ah yeah you know we should do a movie we should make movies yes okay that's what we're going to do and there for a while that was kind of our goal was we were going to make film and um among us i was kind of the macgyver where if we needed props made I was the guy that could just like cobble something together on next to nothing. Um, and so for, you know, a few years, that was kind of my focus. And, you know, I was working a regular nine to five job and everything. And um, what ended up happening was because of that interest in film, uh, one of those friends and myself, we decided we were going to do a Star Wars fan film. And uh, along with that era where camcorders were becoming more affordable and things like that, uh, so was like editing software. And, you know, this was post Troops, which was like the first fan film, as I remember it, as being a fan film. And there was start. I love that fan film. It's great. And it holds up. (laughs) It is still one of the best, hands down. Sorry to jump in. Were were you on the uh, the force.net uh, fan film forums at all back in those days? Oh my gosh. I I I would seek out and download every I still have a CD of a whole bunch of fan films from back then that I yep. downloaded. And, and you know, it was kind of like, "Oh, hey, this 2-minute fan film." 
I'll see if it's downloaded by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like two two ten p quality. <laughs> uh, yes, kids today do not know the struggle. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I was absorbing all of that, and this was um, it was between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, and so my my friend and I we kind of came up with this idea and and wrote this fan film. And in, in typical Eric fashion, I, I always shoot to do like 120%. And so it was way more <laughs> than almost any other fan <laughs> film had done. Like it was this really elaborate storyline and like tons of characters. And we actually had started working on it. And after a while, we, we kind of had to call it quits because there were some very key locations that we uh, we searched and searched and searched and just weren't able to get and then there was some casting you know some characters that we just could not get the cast or we couldn't get people that were dependable uh that was another issue and so eventually we just kind of had to say eh, call it quits well in order to do that we needed costumes and we needed props and you know the the props wasn't quite as bad like i said i was a bit of a macgyver uh but okay so who is going to make the costumes so i went to my grandmother she had a sewing machine i'm like show me how to make costumes um so i kind of learned how to do that just you know pretty much self-taught and you know i love this i just want to say i love this story i'm i'm totally enthralled with this (laughs) you would mister i got a tailor and iron all my toys yeah, so it, it's a little bit crazy. So, you know, that that was our goal. And at this point, I'm still thinking someday, you know, I want to get into film. Um, and I, I actually did act in like a few little short film projects and things like that. But um, so anyway, I uh, by the time we pulled the plug on this, I was left with a lot of props, and a lot of costumes. and again like i said fan films were kind of like really a big deal at that time and i read on the force.net uh about this fan film that was being done and it was being done out of state and uh they said that they still had a few more scenes to do and they were welcoming volunteers and so i'm like oh okay so i contacted them and i said uh and, and, and I'm not sure if you heard of this one. It's called Star Wars Revelations. Yeah. It, it actually had some, for its time, it was really impressive CGI. What what year was that? Was that? Mm, 2002, 2003-ish, okay. somewhere around there. Because I remember there was that one, and then there was another one, like Broken Allegiance or whatever, these big budget fan films. Yeah, that were coming Re- Revelations out that time. What was one that was pretty impressive for you know, it, it's scale. Yeah. And um, so I contacted him and I said, you know, I have a bunch of stuff that I made. I, I'm, I can haul it down and just loan it to you. You want any of the costumes, any of the props, go ahead. So they invited my wife and I down and we got to see uh, their spaceship set that was in the process of being built, uh, which was awesome. And, uh, so just dropped off a box of stuff for them and they ended up using just a couple miscellaneous costumes. And then they said, 
when they were done filming, hey, we're going to have a rap party, but it's being held basically at the bar in this hotel slash convention center uh, where this convention was being held. My wife and I had never been to a convention before. And so we're like, oh, okay, that's cool. So we went down and our minds are just blown. <laughs> and it wasn't even like this was a really, really big convention, but it was the first one we had been to. And it was like, oh my gosh, there's literal stormtroopers here, you know? <laughs> and uh, it, it just blew our minds. It was amazing. And we're like, oh man, we need to come to the next one. So uh, we uh, we went to the next convention held there. And at that point, you know, we went in costume and um, we we met a production company there that was working on a it wasn't a fan film. It was their own IP, uh, but it was a science fiction film. And, you know, th this was before smartphones. So I had taken a little photo album with me to show my work like, oh, here's some of the costumes I've done, some of the props. And they're like, oh, we could really use some people like you <laughs> on our film. And this was out of state. And I I said, well, the problem is, is, you know, we're we're not from here. We're from, you know, up north. And uh, they're like, oh, so are we. Oh, oh, okay. Where are you located at? And here they were like 20 minutes from me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so wow. But my wife and I got involved in that. Um you know, she worked on on some of the costumes on that. Uh, I was one of the props masters, the main prop master on it, and also uh, one of the acting roles in it, too. And so next convention comes along after we were now involved and, and they said, hey, you know, we have this uh, we have this table and we don't have a lot to put out on the table. Why don't you just bring some stuff you made? And this was before I even made anything for their film. Uh, so it was mainly like some of the Star Wars stuff I did for ours. And they said, why don't you just like spread it out on the table and, uh, you know, just to take up space, show off your work, whatever. So I did that. And then everyone wanted to know how much I was selling them for. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I just made that for myself. Oh, how much is that? No, 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 I just made that for myself. And <laughs> so I told my wife, I said, you know, maybe this would just be a nice side gig. And that's all it was to me at that point was, eh, maybe I can make a few bucks on the side, make a, make a saber or a gun or something like that. And, um, then we, we had this guy who managed a space camp and he said, Hey, you know, I need like these computer enclosures made. We're making like this moon base thing. Uh, you know, would you be interested? I'm like, Oh, okay. So that was actually my first, uh, job, you know, once we became an official business was uh, doing this work for the space camp. And um, so when we started, it was like on the business card, it would say uh, props, costumes, video production and set design. <laughs> because at that point I was still somewhat involved in the video end. Like I, you know, I did like a couple reception, you know, wedding receptions, things like that. Um, and then it kind of tailored down over time, like, eh, you know, we didn't really do too much of the costume stuff. And so we kind of backed off of that a little. I absolutely hated doing video production for events. <laughs> Fictional stuff is one thing. Events, I was like, eh, I really don't want to do that. And so <laughs> for 
a good number of years, it, it was props. And, you know, I'm still a props house. Uh, if you look at the website, I mean, the, the dioramas are something I got known for, you know, that built up. Uh, but it was mainly props. And um, it was then maybe three, four years, maybe even more uh, than that. It was a good number of years in. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always been a Star Wars collector. And I was on yakface.com's forums. And how the whole diorama thing kind of started was one, one of the users there, and I wish I could give him credit. I can't remember what, what his name was. I, th I think it was like something Godel or something was his name. But, you know, we would all bit bone as we do as collectors about, you know, Hasbro <laughs> should do this, Hasbro should do that. And he would come up with these ideas and just kind of Photoshop these ideas. Like, wouldn't it be cool if they did a, um, a pack like this? And one of them was uh, the droid torture rack from Jabba's Dungeon, along with, you know, a couple droids or whatever. And at that point, I, I was also starting to want to do some of my own dioramas. And at that point, it was like Frank DiOrio's decals and stuff um you know I, I would take a look at those and be like oh cool this guy like shows you how to take foam core and make you know different buildings and rooms and stuff it just occurred to me the one time i was like i'm a prop maker like <laughs> these are just little props if i can do if i can make a blaster i can certainly make a droid torture rack that's just a little part so i said you know what? I'm going to do it. Hasbro's not making parts that people want. I'm, uh, I'm going to try my hand. Out. I'm just going to make one little thing. And I made a door. And uh, I put it out there and I said, hey, I made, I made a thing. <laughs> uh, anyone interested? And at that point, I did not even have a shopping cart on my website. Everything was someone would email me hey can i commission this or buy this and after i made that door was a pivotal moment where i said i need to put a shopping cart on <laughs> because within 24 hours i i must have had about one person for per hour ask me how they can get their hands on this door wow. <laughs> and i'm like really it's just, it's a door okay and so i made that and then i think i might have made the little cube crates or something after that and then people started asking about stuff they started saying well hey do you think maybe you can make this thing could you maybe make this thing and because it was so popular i just kept kept going and making more and then more people would ask me can you make this other thing okay i'll give that a try and so it, it, it's kind of funny because where I'm at now and what I'm known for is nowhere near what I started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I still do the prop thing, but man, I mean, you compare my sales on props versus dioramas. It's, it's night and day, absolutely night and day. Wow. But it, it it's nice because it, you know, I'm, I'm doing something for my job, for my career, but it's also stuff I would, possibly make anyway just for myself uh because i'm a collector 
So absolutely, you're making your hobby work for you in a way. Yeah, yeah. And, and I realize that's a long story. Which sometimes when people ask, "How did you get into this?" I'm like, "No, that's... sit down, pick up a drink, <laughs> gather around, children." A while because yeah, it it's not it's not one of those things where just one day I said you know what the collecting community really needs? It needs more people making diorama farts. I think I'm going to do that. No, I just literally fell into it through this <laughs> whole series of odd events. <laughs> well, I just want to say I appreciate that you came, like that fan films were kind of one of the inciting, uh, the inciting incident for you because that's very much my origin story as well is that like, 1999 2000 through like 2005 2006 span of time all the fan film stuff going on then coming up on the force.net forums like rebel scum all of that stuff yeah it, it finally <laughs> got times. to the point where there was so many so many fan films that you know i kind of i kind of lost track and and now you know i don't even pay attention to it Same. but yeah. but for its time you know that that technology and just the availability of it yeah. to your to your average consumer was uh was a game changer yeah where where before uh you know if you wanted to make a movie okay well do you know how to uh have celluloid processed and uh get out a, and use a light meter and uh you know splice it together and and all that kind of stuff you know video really was uh, a game changer for things like that you know this is my kids these days moment where you know i look at my iphone and it it does uh, a thousand times better than the uh, mini dv cameras of my youth uh the super 8 cameras Oof, oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. nuts i actually still have a, a super 8 i um i didn't i i never really used it i always intended to uh uh, a friend of mine and I were like, yeah, it'd be cool to do like a little five minute horror movie and do it in like Super 8 black and white. And uh, we just never got around to it. But I still have the camera with the film in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. People, people's eyes are glazing over at this point in the show. Like, what are these old men talking about? Talk about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. I just want to say, you know, thanks for sharing that story. I think that's really... Uh, wholesome you know and and down to earth and and very much like a just a classic star wars fan story you know i i just love that um i i i have you know obviously been familiar with your website for a long time and i've seen the fact that you have done um dioramas and props uh but I didn't really know, you know, the origin story of how it all came to be and that you actually started with props, not dioramas uh, or, or diorama pieces. Um, so that was really fascinating to hear about. Um, yeah. And I, and I've done, I, I don't know if you're at the page for, uh, for sets there, there's one photo, I believe at the bottom of the page where it says it was made for, uh, the fan film guardians of peace. And that was actually the fan film that, I was doing with my friend and it's the two of us were Jedi and we're kind of sitting in this little lounge area. Yeah, see that. that was yeah, actually awesome. from that. And probably the biggest thing I did was um, a one person teleporter that I made for, it was a production company that was making a commercial or a series of commercials for a credit union uh, locally. And so they needed this teleporter prop because people were like getting beamed in for better savings or something <laughs> like that. 
So you were, uh, you know, as you say, sort of one of the original diorama and accessory sources for collectors um, back in the in the early days of the you know online collecting community, so to speak. Uh, one of the OGs. Um, you know, things have come a long way since then in terms of uh, being able to source diorama pieces and accessories and and stuff like that with the proliferation of 3d printing and um you know there's a, there's a lot of uh sort of competing sellers now uh on etsy or ebay or you know any number of other places um how has that affected your business or your sales or how, how has that driven um innovation on your part well Okay, so so first off, I remember when 3D printers were starting to get really popular and you know that that wasn't what I did. People were like, ah, 3D, I got a 3D printer and stuff. And I'm like, Yeah, I've made all this stuff without a printer, you know. And um, so to me, I I was a little bit down on it at first. I'm like, yeah, you know, these these people getting all excited over these these 3d printers and the quality's garbage and um <laughs> and so i didn't really like it early on and uh then i kind of i kind of said well you know they do have some advantages i bought i bought this little one that maybe could do like a four inch cube it was really small and so i thought oh okay well it has some advantages um but for me, more on the modeling end of it, where a lot of people are reliant on it. If if their printer goes down, some people, they practically have printer farms. You know, they'll be like, oh, well, that's why I have five of them. And, yeah, uh, my gosh. Yeah, I've seen and, those. <laughs> and so it's like, it's the way I say it, I would see it as I'm like, without the printer, they can't do what I'm doing. I can mm -hmm. do what I'm doing without the printer. However, when I when I started uh, learning a little bit of the modeling, and believe me, I am I use Tinkercad, which is like the most basic thing you can. I I just know I know how to get a lot out of a little. That 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 that's part of the key. Uh, it, uh, skill i guess you could say i have um so i've been able to do stuff where people would say what you like you didn't use blender or you know one of these big programs uh, no i use <laughs> tinkercad you know um but it has definitely helped on the modeling front uh as far as the time savings so say for example i needed to make a cube a one inch cube well you know i uh would maybe machine that on a milling machine or maybe cut six sides and glue them together you know there'd be multiple ways you could do that where um with a printer you can say one inch cube and there it is <laughs> uh and it's also beneficial when it comes to having like you know i i might make some like say uh there's this gun i i made that i looked at it and i said wow if i modeled that today this one piece could be one piece but back then I machined, you know, maybe five or six pieces and glued them all together. And if they potentially broke apart at some point, well, then I would have to re-glue them. And so there, there's some, there's definitely a lot of advantages I've seen 
but from from the viewpoint of competition it's almost like there's more suppliers than there is demand wow i worked at a previous job for like 18 years and i eventually quit when i was making more at this business if i was trying to do it now on just props i'd, I'd have to work a full-time job again and uh every year it gets a little tougher and tougher because i remember I, even like you know four or five years ago i would set up at a convention and i would have you know these high school kids or whatever and they'd be like oh well i can just print that and it's <laughs> like people said oh but your quality is better and i'm and i said yeah but here's the problem you become a needle in a haystack mm. and it doesn't matter if you're the one doing better work it doesn't matter if you are literally the best at something if when someone does a Google search, they find 5,000 Etsy shops. And a lot of them might be someone that just has access to a printer and knows how to hit the print button. And they don't even do their own modeling. Like they might download it for free on Thingiverse. And now they're a competitor. They're a competitor to what I'm doing. Yeah. It, it, it's It's kind of crazy. And so... I think from a consumer standpoint, you know, yes, free stuff is great. From an economy standpoint, it's not. Like if you imagine if we all just tomorrow had replicators from Star, from Star Trek, it, it would be like Armageddon very shortly because you're in the textile business, that doesn't matter. You don't have yeah. a job anymore when you can just walk up and say, give me a t-shirt size large. <laughs> and then you can do that with so many products so i i kind of see it as it has its advantages but trying to run a business especially i would say in the hobbyist market yeah my dad's not gonna buy it. heck my old little tiny 3d printer i told you about the first one i got offered it to my dad i'm like hey do you want to toy around with me he's like nah <laughs> so it's like and my dad's not a hobbyist but who's gonna buy 3d printers the hobbyist the same people that would be customers. So that that's the that's unfortunately the kind of situation I'm in. So I'm trying to focus a little bit more of my advertising, if you will, kind of from the viewpoint of uh, I, I I have the slogan on my website now: expect only excellence. So where people can say, hey. I can get this 3D printed somewhere else. I could say, yeah, but it's going to be 3D printed. It's not going to be resin. And is it going to be quality? And even if it's going to be the quality, are you going to get the customer service from that guy's Etsy shop? So, I, you know, I try to lean into, okay, what are my strengths that are going to be better than what some of the other people are offering? So short answer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tyler, I see here you have a question about um, some of the stuff like the Tanta V4 hallways and whatnot, if you want to. Yes, I am not going to pronounce it that way, but uh, yes. Well, I just did it because, you know, our favorite John Lindquist likes here. to correct me. You, you do Tantive? Tantive? I say Tantive, but every time I say Tantive, uh, I get yelled at. So uh, I say, t- say Tanta V, but really it's not spelled that way. No, it's not, so... <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> sorry so john if you ever listen and to this. uh john can bleed from his ears later whatever oh, well 
<laughs> hey, look, even even Lando can't pronounce Han's name right. Yeah, yeah. Han. Han. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of what makes him charming, though, I think. Yeah. 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 All right. So you were doing things like the uh, Tandif 4 hallways, doors, and other components long before Hasbro or other companies like uh, Galactic Trading Post, uh, GTP Toys, RIP, uh, with their Death Star walls caught on and got into the game. Um, has Hasbro diving more into the diorama or playset expression uh, been something that you applaud and welcome, or do you view it as a potential competitor to businesses like yours, not in a good way? Um, how do you feel about that? If it's something you applaud, what sorts of things would you like them to do or focus on um, do you feel as though they're missing out on a lot of potential? Well, I guess a little of both. I, I mean, uh, for example, when they came out with the Tanaviv hallways, uh, my, my orders coming in for them, like pretty much almost disappeared overnight. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, yeah. So it's like on that, I'm just kind of like, ah, oh, darn, you know, but by the same token, why, why did I ever get into this in the first place? And it was because I'm a collector too. You know, I, I want this kind of stuff and they weren't making it. So mm-hmm. my, my big question would be, why did it take them so long to catch on? Yes. <laughs> you know, it took them a yeah. very long time. It, it, it's like you could even argue that they still haven't really caught on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember and uh, it it kind of it kind of ended up on Yak Face at one point because I, I started getting worried at one point. I was at uh, Rhode Island Comic Con. I was set up and. Daryl DePriest came by. I didn't realize at this point Hasbro was literally across the street. <laughs> and, he, and he was there and started giving me a bunch of crap. And, uh, it, and don't get me wrong. Like, I think Star Wars thrived under Daryl DePriest. They were putting out really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was giving me a bunch of crap. Like, oh, you're not allowed to do this. And, and I said, well, for one, they're model kits. So it's something different and i said not only that i said if you made these i would be buying them and so would a lot of other people yeah i mean i i think it just kind of took them a long time to catch on and i think they're realizing and they deny it you know they deny it they say oh you know kids and stuff like that i'm sorry when you're around 17 bucks a figure you are not in the kids arena Thank no, you. Not yes. In the slightest. When you're no. doing $500 Haslabs, there's not 12-year-old kids backing a Haslab. Yeah. And and so if you look at a lot of the playsets that they're making, the quote-unquote playsets, they are definitely more focused on display mm-hmm. because they know adult collectors, they're not going pew 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 with their figures. At least I'm not. I mean, no, no. depends I mean, on the people, day for me <laughs> i'm not judging if other people do, but you know they, they set up their figures they want like a nice backdrop you know uh you have a lot of toy photography going on yes and, and so it seems like they are focusing on on that demographic which is good it's just they're they're really behind yes <laughs> yeah on it um i still think there's some things that Obviously, they could do better, <laughs> you know. Uh, the Navarro, the Navarro set, I think, was pretty weak. It was pretty bare bones. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think there, I think there's some stuff where th- there's definitely room for improvement. I mean, I do have to say, as far as the vintage collection, 
uh, vehicles go and figures, I mean, take take price out of the equation, and they're doing amazing work right now. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah. So I I can't fault them on you know the the quality and and stuff like that. When they can be bothered to make something new, it's yeah. it's great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just think some of their some of their choices are a little bit like how many people approved this <laughs> yeah 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 like, oh. there wasn't just one person that that uh stopped you and said hold on a minute <laughs> just just as an aside your your note about um the uh the photography component of the collecting community i think that that's absolutely like their lifeblood now i mean it, it, think about all of the free advertising that they get from the hundreds or maybe even thousands of, you know, photographer profiles out there on Instagram and, you know, Facebook and other, other apps that are showcasing their products and, you know, they do all the editing for it and they do all the prop making for it, you know, for the scenes and whatnot. I mean, it's like what we that's do. That's keeping Tyler. them alive right now. Let's be honest. <laughs> like a bunch of know, free labor. So, they I, i'm sure uh they may not say it but they ought to be very grateful for all those all those um you know photography pages out there yeah but i will say they they are very much way behind the, the curve on a lot of these um sort of scene specific dioramas and and you know play sets or environments so to speak I don't really like the word play sets. I know that we, we still use that in the collecting Dis community. Display sets. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, that, that works. The, the one <laughs> word I hate that they use is expression. Yeah. That's, that's been something <laughs> the past couple of years of, yes, that's it, not a it, popular one. Yeah. Cause it just comes off as such like, like a corporate BS type thing. Yeah. It's, it's, uh. it's like the word content. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, when you talk about how they make things like the Tenet 4 hallways and now, you know, the demand for that for your site and your pieces drops off, it's like, okay, well, you know, that's obviously that sucks and that's unfortunate because, you know, you put in the time to design that stuff and put it on your page and whatnot. But I think the good news is that you can pivot to other things that they haven't gotten around to yet. Um, and they may not get around to for a very long time, if ever. I mean, it kind of blows my mind that they haven't gotten around to, you know, releasing their own official Death Star walls or space walls or whatever Thank you want to you. call it, right? Like, I, I just, I don't for the life of me understand how they have not done that yet. It that just blows my mind. Yeah. That may actually be the biggest, the biggest question where it, it's like, what are you doing? There's almost no <laughs> there's almost no answer they could give where you would say, "Yeah, that answer satisfies me. That makes sense." It's <laughs> yeah. like it's like almost nothing makes sense. And uh, yeah. you know what? One of the advantages, though, to having it broken down to just like literally sections of walls is uh, the the people doing their building they can really do it however they want where they're not locked into a room is a certain size and they need to make sure that they have the shelf space for that specific play set. Yeah. Um, That's very true. Yeah. And, and unfortunately I think to really do stuff scaled, you know, how everything kind of scales down a little bit with action fears because otherwise it would course. just take up 
tons of room. Oh yeah, like um, the ships I have behind me would be even bigger if they were accurately scaled. Yeah. Right. So so you say, okay, well, what would a if they made one, what would a uh, Death Star playset look like? Probably a lot of the rooms and stuff would be way scaled down. Yeah. Yeah. And you would have people saying, well, you know what? I really wish it was bigger. And you say, okay, well, let's make it modular. People keep using that term. They want it to be modular. Okay. So we're going to release a room that is, is say the uh, hangar control room with the, the black and computers and stuff. Okay. Well, really, what is that? It's a room with a big computer console, uh, two chairs, maybe a couple barrels and crates in the corner and a little closet. When you put it that way, you say, <laughs> why would anyone buy that? That, that sounds awfully <laughs> boring. I mean, yes, we would buy it. Yeah. But as far as a mass market product, you put that on Walmart shelf. I mean, for one, you, you, you talk about not being a line for kids. I mean, what kids are going to be like, yay, look. It's a room with a big computer. <laughs> Another room to clean. <laughs> right. So if they made something that was a toy that really falls into that category, they almost have to cut all kinds of corners or the thing would cost a, a fortune. Uh, like like I said, I people may buy it, but you might also have people say, oh, things like five, six hundred dollars, but it's not really what I want or I don't have room for it or I just want two rooms and it's five rooms. So, hey, maybe very individualized parts. Maybe that's the way to go. Yeah, you know, kind of Pete. scaled up accessory sets instead of just the small accessories, the more, you know, world pieces as well in there with them that you can cobble together. Yeah. Is that what and, you're saying? Yeah. And, and so it could be maybe that's what they're struggling with are those questions where they say, wow, it is a no-brainer, but there's about 5,000 ways we could do it, and none of them seem like they would be the right way to do it. Yeah. So from that perspective, I can understand. What I can't understand is why one of the top three toy companies that is worth literally billions of dollars is so risk-adverse. Shareholders, man. Like, there's so many things it's like, yeah okay maybe it's not successful on the other hand you might find out that that is your strategy going forward and that's going to make you gobs of money but you know they're 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 too tentative to to try those things i i think it's it's got to be um you know the licensing fee from you know disney or lucasfilm or whatever and the fact that they they make such a slim margin off of you know in terms of their profits I, yeah again I, I can only assume you yeah. know and so that's sort of where that that risk comes in of of you know failure or uh lack of profit god forbid um yeah right which is <laughs> funny because they also in the same breath brag about record profits so <clears throat> whatever yeah <laughs> but you know when you, when you talk about um and again, I know we're not a, a big fan of the word expressions, but you know, sort of for lack the, of a better word, yeah. yeah. For the lack of a better word, in the in the vein of like the you know Java's throne room uh, playset that they're offering, you know, through Pulse now, that sort of uh, expression <laughs> excites me because of the other you know sort of potential that it that it opens up 
you know, for other things like that. Like, for example, um, and I was going to get to this in my next question, but, you know, you made, you, you did a, uh, a crowdfunding campaign for the Emperor's Throne Room, right? No, the, uh, you're, you're thinking of um, a crowdfund I did because a number of years back, I was, I was saying, man, you know, I'm, I'm getting tired of casting the same stuff over and over and over and over. And wouldn't it be great if some of these very simple parts, like some of the little crates and barrels and things, uh, I could get injection molded. Mm-hmm. And so my, uh, that was what I was raising money for. I had like maybe a set of seven or eight parts and it, it was a, my first time running a campaign. It succeeded, but nowhere near what I thought. Cause, cause I thought a lot of my regulars, I'm like, man, I have enough regular customers. They would have this thing funded like 10 times over if just everyone backed at the bare minimum but the problem i had was i had a lot of people saying well i already have that stuff you already make it i already have it i don't care about getting the same thing just injection molded versus resin Mm -hmm. and um at the time i was uh i was in contact with some some middlemen who could get the stuff done in factories of course in china because we gutted our manufacturing in the u.s uh and i decided i wasn't going to do that i i said you know what i'm, I'm not going to go that route and i i basically apologized to everyone i said hey, you know th- this isn't going to happen it wasn't as successful as i thought but what i will do is everyone will get these parts in resin there was one new part i had but I didn't have barrels at the time and I was just coming out with those. And I said, and I'll sub barrels for, for that. So everyone will still get something at equivalent cost. No one was out anything. Um, but what I had as um, three of my top tiers were if you backed it at a certain level, you got, and it was uh, the Star Destroyer Bridge, um, which those were actually like fully painted, assembled and everything. Uh, The throne room and the detention center. So I wasn't crowdfunding those items so much as they were. Details fuzzy there. My apologies. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, it essentially was the same thing. I mean, some of that money obviously had to go towards creating new parts for some of that stuff. Um, But yeah, I, I don't, what was your original question? <laughs> yeah, well, so I guess all that to say, um, you know, your uh, throne room that you offered, and maybe offered isn't the right word because it was sort of very exclusive, right? But um, you can get it now. I don't, I don't have it on the website, but I've, I've done a couple kits. I'm not doing noted ones. Yes, noted. noted. I know you said you wanted one. Noted. <laughs> um, How to spend you, yeah, the next I mean, paycheck. <laughs> well, when you compare the you know masterpiece that you made with that, which is just everything I've always wanted when it comes to that throne room, I'm like, oh, I got to have this. And then you compare it to Hasbro's window and chair, 
that they called a throne room. And I'm like, that's not, that's not a throne room. This is a throne room, right? <laughs> um, now that's a knife. <laughs> you know, what? one of the biggest head scratchers for me was for, and, and I actually did the throne a number of years ago, uh, a throne kit. Yep, I remember. Yep. But if you think about it, how many years went by where the only one they did was that misshapen blob that was permanently affixed yep. from power of the force two and it's like i don't i don't understand how hasbro so often has used the term iconic and there's stuff that just slaps you upside the head as iconic and it's just like it's crickets yeah yeah it's like you could have come out with a new throne, like, oh, I don't know, within the last 20 years, it took you that long. <laughs> and then it just, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of people who will disagree with me because all they needed is the chair, blah, blah, blah. But to me, that was such a half measure, just like phoned in, like... The, it was their way of doing the cardboard playset of because the packaging folded out. Yeah, I I just yeah. uh, I was so disappointed with that. Honest to God, and I I would have paid, you know, sort of Haslab prices for that or Jabba's throne room, you know, prices for a a really well done one like like one that you offer, you know, and so sort of that's where you come in. Like when Hasbro fails to meet expectations on things or when they fail to release things years upon years upon years at a time, I mean, that's where you're a great service to this community, honestly. And hole in the ground or hole in the market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, some of my favorite diorama pieces uh, and vehicles that you've offered over the years um, are the Death Star Detention Center, which I own. Uh, the Imperial Star Destroyer Bridge, uh, which I absolutely love. Um, I have, as you may recall, I ordered the full thing, you know, both sides. I have yet to assemble it yet because I know that's just going to be a whole, a whole multi-month project. <laughs> I it, just haven't had the time. A, to... It's, I think, over over a hundred parts. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's, it, it seems it, like a, a daunting task. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just haven't had time, but I absolutely want to uh you know I, I i have the uh the necessary staff for it so to speak the crew uh just gotta get my act together and, and make the darn thing but uh i absolutely love that thing um and obviously you know the the throne room uh recently i think it was pr fairly recent maybe within the past couple of years you added the uh and for you know forgive me if i'm mistaken on the timeline here but you added the um the Rebel Agent Starship, which is very obviously the Moldy Crow from those who played the old Dark Forces video games. Uh, the the original Rogue One, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I also just recently noticed the uh, Shadow Viper attack ship, which players of the uh, Empire at War Forces of Corruption strategy game will recognize. I, I think it's funny that that's where you recognized it from because it's... Uh... Prince Zizor ship, the Rago. Okay, okay. So, so it was. So it goes all the yeah, way back I, to. I'm, I'm not familiar with the the video games, but yeah, it goes all the way back to. To Shadows um, of the Empire. Shadows the, wow, wow. Okay, so yeah, the, what I recognized it from. Um, there was a there was a strategy game called Empire at War, and there was an expansion pack called Forces of Corruption, which added 
a third faction other than just the Empire and the Rebels. It added um, like a pirate faction, sort of. Oh, and that, okay. That's their main line, like fighter. And they can also steal technology and use TIE fighters against you and stuff like that. Yeah, they're all they're also in the uh, X-Wing miniatures game. They have some, too. Yeah, yes, that was yes. that was a design. It was one of the ships I always I always wanted, and apparently they they had intended on doing it back when Shadows of the Empire was out, and they just never got around to it. Hasbro, you mean? Yeah. Wow. And um, and I always liked the design. Now, the odd thing is, it is not a very Star Warsy type design. It looks like it could be from like a lot of other different sci-fi. It doesn't scream Star Wars to me, but I just always thought the design was kind of unique and very interesting, always wanted one. So I thought, what the heck, I'm going to do this thing. That was quite an undertaking. That was months of design and planning. It's very detailed. And prototyping. And one of the tricky things was I'm like, okay, well, your key character, Zizor, you're going on to fit in it. Right. Well, we only had two. Both of them had um, like vinyl skirt type material. So you can't make him sit. So I'm like, okay, well, I need to scale it so he can stand in it. And um, which probably didn't make it much bigger than it would have been anyway. But uh, unfortunately, I don't know if it's just the ticket price on it. I've only ever sold one. And it was probably one of the most expensive to design. And like when you take in the cost of the masters, the molds, all the time I spent designing it, it was probably one of the most expensive pieces that I've made. And I've only ever sold one. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, that man, so freaking cool. Though. People wouldn't want this. Oh, it's like two feet tall. I think when, when the wings are open up, it it's wow. huge and, it, and it's rather heavy. <laughs> I think maybe uh, there's just not enough exposure for it, so we'll we'll help fix that. <laughs> yeah. Also, start uh, championing for a uh, Prince Shizor in TVC that has soft goods and can sit. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, the one thing that baffles me, I, I thought the figure was fairly good in that comic pack, but come on, they could have packaged it with Guri. Yep. But mm. they chose like an '80s aerobic video, Leia. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah. and, with, and with she big, is chunky, big ugly cankles. Yeah, just, just horrible looking. Yeah, yeah. From everybody's least favorite scene of Shadows of the Empire, where Prince Shizor is trying to, you know, get all creepy because of the implication. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Lizard love, man. Yeah. He's. I'm gonna spray my pheromones on you, and you're going to love me. <laughs> so, uh, Eric, you know, you've you've created a lot of different pieces. Um, do you have any personal favorites and what are you thinking about adding uh, to your site in the future? If you can comment on that, like what's well, the next project you're working on? Well, that that's hard to say because after all this time, I, I almost feel like I'm starting to run out <laughs> where I, uh, I ask people every now and then I'm like, what do you want to see me make next? And, and nobody like points to something that would be like really common it's like all the suggestions become really obscure stuff where I'm like, well, you may want that, but <laughs> I don't know if 
anybody else even knows what that is you're talking about <laughs> mm. um so, so sometimes people ask for really really obscure stuff um the last thing i put on my website the other day was another doorway and door <laughs> um mainly because i needed it for a diorama i'm working on for myself <laughs> uh but yeah i don't i have a list like just like hasbro i have a parking lot a list of stuff that i want to do and sometimes that gets shuffled around um i think what i am probably going to do and i even started some design work on it but i can't finish until hasbro has it available and that's a interior for the bunker so I want to make something where if you get the bunker, you can butt up this uh, this room behind it that has the control center. Just so I'd buy that. I would a thousand percent buy that. Yeah, yeah I, I already made a part for it because like uh, as you know, with uh, the movies, they reused a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm always seeing new things. Like I realized in the Emperor's Throne Room, there's somewhere on the wall they have the hangar bay lights that are on the floor in Yavin. They're like mounted to the wall. <laughs> wow. I, I, I remember spotting those somewhere. Uh, also, the the speeder that I, I call the void speeder, it, it's like this square thing with eight legs. The feet on that are sections of the tread from the sand crawler oh wow yeah it, the one day i was looking at a photo of the sand crawler i'm like wait a minute those look familiar <laughs> okay it, so one of the things i want to work on uh at some point is i'm thinking about doing sand crawler treads mm. so people can use it as a backdrop or if they buy multiples they can make like a whole base of a sand crawler if they really wanted um i think there's part- definitely a market for both of those that you mentioned um you know, the, the, the bunker interior is one that I've seen tossed around the community a lot lately. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, what I was just saying about reusing stuff, and then I got sidetracked. Um, the computers that are in the pit of the Star Destroyer, they're also the computers that are in the control center. So the one thing I had to make different was there's a little cool. corner. There's a little corner so uh, you can uh, have that connect uh, two of the two of the other computers. And obviously, I already have those computers, so I did make a corner piece. I made that the other day, but I can't really go any further until I have my hands on the bunker. So the rest, I, I'm going to have to wait because I don't want to design something and then, oh, it's too big, too small, whatever. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Coming soon. Um, That's exciting. As far as my favorite, I'm probably going to have to go with the ball speeder. Yeah. Because it was it was one of those little vehicles that I always remember thinking, that would be so cool to have that. And, you know, it reminded me, I think the inspiration was 2001, the little pods they had. Yeah, that's why they called it the Ubrickian speeder for Kubrick. Yeah, but to me, it looks like a cross between a tilt-a-whirl and et's ship 
And I don't know. I just always thought that little ball speeder was so cute. It would make a great mini rig. I mean, it is mini rig size. So, um, and that was only the second vehicle that I ever did was the ball speeder. Um, and, you know, talking about the difference between like 3d modeling stuff now and how I used to have to do stuff like those little ridges along the, around the perimeter every one of those ridges was individually cut and glued on oh my gosh <laughs> to make that you know there's probably like you know 50 to 100 of those things yeah uh, you know if that was modeled now obviously that process would be a lot easier um but yeah i, I would say probably my favorite is the ball speeder and i i've thought about doing a couple other mini rig scale items you know, maybe a little bit bigger than mini rig, um, just because it it brings the price point down. It can be a little bit more affordable. Doesn't take up as much shelf space. Um, the most recent thing I did was the ATP yeah ATPT little one man walker, um, which is you know a smaller vehicle. Um, before that, the last vehicle I did was a starfighter that I was so happy with because it was 100% my own design. I see that. Yeah, that's super cool. I love it. And, uh, it, it's great. It's about as small as you can possibly get and put a figure in it, but you could, you know, make like a whole squadron of them if you wanted to. Um, so I, I was really happy with that. So yeah, in the, in the future, probably some more greebly stuff but i definitely love to do some more mini rig things i love doing droids uh they're always fun and and they're great for people that might only collect figures and they don't really you know do environments well you know that's that's still something that can excite them uh some expansion stuff i'd like to do more expansion things i think they're kind of neat like I do a third leg for vintage Kenner R2. Um, some stuff like that I think would be kind of interesting. You know, over the years you've accumulated quite a uh, diverse library of offerings. So uh, it's just so cool how, how many different things that you you offer on your site now. But It, it amazes me when I think about it because I now have more diorama stuff than probably every prop that I've ever made <laughs> <laughs> that I've sold on my website. So... Yeah, and, it, and being a collector myself, it's it's one of those things where I think that's even a little bit of inspiration too. At times where I, you know, I want to work on something or I want to build something, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I could really use uh whatever. <laughs> like yeah. like I said, the last door and door frame I made was because I'm working on a diorama and I need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to jump in and say. Um... There's one little tiny thing I was thinking of because I was looking at the holocrons and whatever. Uh, if you're ever in need of a, an idea for a tiny thing, um, I, it's been present in a few uh, media expressions uh, recently and including the Black Series just got one. of It's a little box for Yoda's lightsaber hilt, like a little lightsaber hilt box. Mm. Just since we've now seen those kind of things in a few uh, different uh, different shows now and me being a lightsaber sucker, I'm always just like, yeah, that, that's cool. I like that. Uh, 
but I know I'm looking at your site, Eric, and I am like, mm, I'm going to be spending a bunch of money here, probably <laughs> in the nearest future. So you better watch out. <laughs> bring, bring it on. Oh, I will. I, I, won't, I won't complain. <laughs> I, I would anticipate that this podcast episode will probably boost your boost your business here at least for a little bit oh hopefully <laughs> yeah and, um, and people who are sleeping on the tardis i'm sorry not the tardis the phone booth time machine for legal reasons don't snooze on that because i want one of those as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah my my own i uh i, I put a light in it i put le because i actually made sure that that little cap on top yeah you can you can drill little holes in there yes. and put an led through it and so i actually have um the door is a separate piece so you can glue the door closed or you can glue it part way open Ooh. and i have mine where it's just open a crack and i put some wax paper there to kind of act as a filter and i have some have it where you see a little bit of white light like coming out through the crack and then it has a little blue light on top there's plenty of room in there for a battery well it's bigger on the pop. inside so yeah yeah that's, <laughs> that's true oh man well, hey, Tyler, I see you have something on here um, talking about the Moss Eisley Cantina. Yeah, you recently wrapped up uh, a crowdfunded campaign for that, right? Um, it's pretty... It, it's actually still active. I oh, think it's still it's active. Still... Okay. It's either the 31st or the 1st is the last day, which I'm okay. not sure when this is going to air. Maybe, maybe it will be over by then. I don't know. This will realistically probably go out in the next couple of weeks, so it might not be while it's still going. Okay, well, um, the, the way Indiegogo, you can opt in on something called in demand, which means as long as you've met the goal, you can pretty much keep it up for almost forever if you want to, and you okay. can keep getting backers. So because it fully funded, it'll still be there. So if someone's like, oh, man, I'm not going to have the money for like a week after the campaign, they'll still be able to do it at that nice. point. Uh, um and as far as international people go, I've had a number of international people want to back it. And I don't have that open for international backers, mainly for the fact of shipping. Shipping costs, yeah. Because until I actually have stuff made and packed, I have no idea how much it's going to weigh. And international shipping, it seems like every other week it's changing depending on the country. So it just way too many factors to try to reasonably guesstimate shipping where the nice thing is uh domestically here in the u.s i can say okay well how much room is it going to take well if it can fit in this box i can flat rate ship it doesn't matter if it weighs like a ton of bricks <laughs> um so that that's why i was able to uh to do it that way so i i've been telling international people at some point after the campaign's over and i've fulfilled everyone i'll have it up on my website where they can then get it cool awesome i i think it's awesome you know that uh the community has somebody like you to offer something amazing like that because it's i think it's pretty crazy that hasbro has has still failed to deliver a a cantina for all the patrons they've released over the years i mean it's it, just it, it's another no-brainer yeah um and and unlike the death star um uh, like the way i designed the cantina it's it's mostly identical alcoves mm -hmm. so that is the kind of thing you can put it on a store shelf and someone might just want one or they might just want two or three 
or they can then buy these additional parts and you know make make the whole thing um it, it was actually one of those things that i don't know why i didn't do it sooner because a lot of the parts are very very simplistic yeah they're very very straightforward parts uh, a couple people were like oh man you know is there any chance to get this assembled i'm not and I, I said look on a scale of like one to five on all my kits it would be like a two assembly is actually going to be pretty straightforward um it, it's just it's gonna be a lot of parts a lot of identical parts for those alcoves and um i wanted to build my own for a while and i was like i have no room for this <laughs> and uh so i kind of set it aside and then a friend of mine mentioned it the other day hey you know what you should make and i said yeah i thought about it you know what i need another big project that will get people excited and get people's attention so um figured now's the time to do it i it you know the vintage collection has been back around now for what five years with tvc 2.0 right i mean yeah. and we've had uh two haslab projects so far right um mm -hmm. and <laughs> i just it, it really boggles the mind that the cantina hasn't come to fruition yet as an official offering from hasbro so um well don't forget part of it did for the black series <sighs> yeah. oh yeah that little part um yeah. well you know another another thing that kind of made it a little bit easier on the design front and i really wish i had something a little bit more finished like physical stuff to show people because i think you know that hurts the campaign a little bit where people say oh you don't you're not showing any real prototypes it's a lot of renders and things like that it's like, well, that's the whole point in raising the money. So I don't spend a lot of time and money making something and then not enough people right. back it. Um, but, you know, I, I already had the tables. I already had the chairs. I already had the stools. I already had the bar. I already had the distillery. Okay. So some of the most complicated things, I, I've had those for years. Um, so a lot of it was just structure. Yeah. And one, one thing I didn't get to do uh, that I had wanted to have as an unlockable is exterior components to mm. it. Um, but it's something that people could make an exterior fairly easily. I mean, just take some foam core and make some angles and you join the walls and, you know, throw some paint on it. Um, I was just something I, I just didn't have the time to get to it. Um, so it's mainly for people that want the interior, but the nice thing is the way it's sectioned, you know, if someone says I have enough room on my shelf to have the entrance and two alcoves, they can do that, or they can have a single alcove or they can line up a bunch. You can split it in different ways. And then I had, um, uh, I had it offered where I realized that a lot of people that might want to back it already have the other components that i've sold so they're not going to want to you know if they have 30 chairs they're going to be like well i want to spend money to buy some stuff that i already have so i i did have a couple offerings where they can get the whole cantina or the back of the cantina and it's just all the new stuff that i don't make and they can get it without the bar. They can get it without the tables and chairs and things like that if they already have it. That's really smart. That's that's great. But I think only one person actually got one of those. Almost everyone else bought 
the Hulk and Tina, and then um, my one stretch goal was some additional back rooms because I because uh, the the thing about movies is inside and outside and all that stuff it doesn't have to make any sense yeah because you're not unless you're following with the camera through an area and so i always go back to the blueprints if they exist because mm-hmm. how it is how it was built for the movie okay that you can't get more official than that and i have the blueprints book which is extremely useful and uh their cantina is very symmetrical and if you look at a lot of stuff that's been done like various tech manuals and uh complete locations and some stuff like that uh, yeah visual guides gaming stuff there's probably half a dozen different layouts for what that cantina looks like inside but a lot of them okay the guy's behind the bar where does he go how does he get to the rest of the cantina? You know, there's no doorway or any <laughs> anything. He's just got jumped the bar or something like that. So I said, there, there, it needs to make sense somehow. Uh, so I have a door there at the back. And then the expansion, it gives you um, a storeroom on one side, which is going to have like a little barrel rack with some barrels. And I'm, I'm thinking about tossing in a couple other items in there. And then the other side would be, the manager's office and uh the manager slash owner is supposed to be a wookie so i said oh he needs to have a a desk and chair but it has to be wookie sized you know so the chair is a little bit bigger and oversized and and the desk is and because it's a a planet that's very in tune with nature uh you know i wanted it to be uh more natural not so much futuristic so uh the table i have it like very weathered and the chair the base of the chair is just like the bottom of a tree stump so it it kind of goes with the theme and then i'm gonna maybe add a couple other things to that room that'll come with it like you know a gun rack or something like that that's so cool i love the creativity there that's that's awesome that you thought to to add all that it's the little things man all the details yeah um so Obviously, on your site, we noticed that you sell diorama and accessory pieces for both uh, 3.75, you know, the heritage scale, and also 6-inch. Um, what scale tends to get more of your business? <laughs> three and three-quarter <laughs> inch. I, I'm, yeah, I'm talking, no, not by a long shot. It, it, like, Galaxy's different. <laughs> and. Wow. Uh, yeah occasionally you know i would i would come out with something in uh well funny thing when i uh posted on my facebook page about the cantina the one guy's like oh it's not six inch is it and i'm like how many figures do they even make in six inch that would work for it like four maybe you know and and how much space do you have available yeah exactly And, and i and i said that's not a place that that's called a a like a house yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh so it's it's funny because sometimes you know six inch collectors I'll, I'll come out with something and they give me li- like a little frowning face like oh it's not six inch and i'm like uh when was the last time you were on my website and went to the six inch page and bought anything oh never well <laughs> <laughs> if you're not supporting what 
I already have, I'm not going to continue to make six inch scale stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so that's why that offering on, on the six inch is so sparse just because it, it's not there. And I've even occasionally, um, try to get some idea what people might want. Like one thing I thought might do good is robots in six inch scale because like a cogdroid or something or yeah because one thing i've noticed is six inch six inch collectors are more character and figure collectors yes they're not doing environments it's why you can't well it's one of many reasons but it's one reason why you can't get a Haslab Rancor to succeed <laughs> because six inch collectors are probably like, well, this thing's enormous. But I bet if you put out the uh, Rancor Keeper and never did the Rancor, you would still sell the Rancor Keeper because they want that figure. Um, so, you know, that that's where I think the difference in the demographic is. Um, it, it's also, I think, why the vehicles tend to underperform. You know, they they put out that six inch scale TIE fighter and I'm like, that looks cool, but how many vehicles could fit in that space in three and three quarter inch scale? Exactly. You know, the thing was absolutely enormous. Yes. Let alone the yeah. fact if they had just made it a original tie, it probably would have performed better, but I bet it still would have slightly underperformed. Um ju- just people don't have the room for it. I no. I remember on some forums people were like, "Well, how how much would people be willing to spend for a Tie Fighter that big?" I'm like, "Nothing, because I don't have room. I don't have room for anything that big." Um, I uh, I have one of those, and uh, trust me, I spent next to nothing on it, and that was the only reason I ended up with it. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it would be the only reason I would buy one is because it's cheap. Heck, I've been selling a lot of my six inch collection off. You know, yeah. I, I, I wasn't that big into it, but. You know, still, I sold off all the, uh, except for Chopper, I, I sold us a lot, all my Rebels figures. And the only reason I got them was, you know, it was the only way you could get them realistic. Mm-hmm. And then finally no, I said, <laughs> you know what, that's the only reason I have them. So, yeah. um, but I, I had put on my Facebook page, I said, would people, cons- the, to the six inch collectors out there, would you be willing to get, like, say, six or eight of the droids i have in six inch scale would you be down for that and i would probably do it as a crowd funder just to make sure i i have enough people buy in on it to make it worth my while doing it because i calculated it out the masters alone would be like over two hundred dollars just for the original masters to upscale them yeah, and wow. it was like crickets it was like almost, almost nobody said oh yeah i would be down for that so it's kind of like well that's why i don't make six inch stuff there's just not enough demand no and there's some six inch people that are like that's where it's at man that's where they're making all the money it's like that might be where hasbro's making the money it doesn't mean that's because that's where all the buyers are yeah hasbro for years has been trying so hard to to make it seem like six inch is all the rage and that's where that's where the market is that's what everybody wants you know bread and butter yada 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 well i well i um, will say well i will say this um 
and, and I've brought up this point a lot to people. I said, well, that may be true from their perspective because we are not, except for Hasbro Pulse, which didn't exist until recently, uh, we're not their customer. We're not Hasbro's customer. Yeah. They don't give a crap how much we buy. If Walmart and Target and all the retailers and everything, if they continue to buy product that they cannot sell to people like us, as long as they go back to Hasbro and buy more, Hasbro doesn't care. Yeah. So for them to say, well, six inches where it's at, it's like, well, that's because that's what Walmart and Target and everyone are buying. And why yeah. are they buying it? Well, part of the reason might be because you got them convinced it it is the bee's yep. knees to use a very outdated term um <laughs> well they, you know, they think that's the way because you know they can they can squeeze out a few more dollars per unit right so the profit margin is uh, you know a little bit better perhaps than on a on a three and three quarter inch figure but i think it's very short-sighted because you're seeing that the black series is really sort of painting itself into a corner in terms of what it can offer the the uh, adult consumer you know collecting community because on the most recent q a someone asked uh you know is a is a black series a wing something that maybe we could see and chris reif just pretty much came right out and said uh no yeah. <laughs> i mean he, he basically made it seem like vehicles for six inch are effectively dead at this point i um, i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised i mean for me like growing up the snow speeder was my one of my favorite vehicles. And it's like I didn't even for a minute consider getting that in six inch. I don't have room for it. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter how nice it is. I I had the um Luke and Land speeder that I bought because it was on clearance for like thirty dollars or something at yeah, one point. As all of those vehicles I, ended up going. I sold it off like a few weeks ago. Why? Because I never even opened it. Where do I put it? It doesn't yep. fit in with the rest of my three and three quarter. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. The, I mean, the thing I, I, work... I mean, I'm not poo-pooing the scale that it that it's not good. I mean, yeah, yeah. the sculpts are great and everything. It's just sure, sure. to to me, it, it's not what I grew up with. If I was a new collector getting into the hobby last week, would I be all in on Black Series? I don't know. Maybe I would, but for you know us us old old guys that have been at this for forever. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it isn't really isn't well it, it it seems to me like they've been trying so hard over the past decade or so to try to make the black series a second world building scale and it it just doesn't work i mean kenner chose the size that they did because it was the perfect size to be you know compatible with vehicles and you know dioramas or uh environmental you know playset pieces right um and then when you start scaling that up to the six inch scale it's just too big too expensive i mean i think hasbro's finally learning the lesson that it, it's just not working well um, now considering the price hikes now yeah, the the first too. order tie or i or actually i'll say the snow speeder since that was the most recent one uh what was the price tag on that 119 on the off the top of my head, I think. And now you're looking at over 130. Granted, it has a figure, but the snow speeder, I think, had a figure too. Uh, granted, okay, now you're looking at $130 for the Naboo Starfighter. Yeah. 
yeah. for three and three quarter inch scale. So if they put out a six inch vehicle, even one the size of snow speeder today, what is the price tag going to be on that sucker? That bad boy is going to be 250 bucks. That's yeah, at least. Yeah. So, well, remember I mean, the TIE right fighter now, was 150 and people were not stoked on that. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I tell you one thing I really wish though, when they, uh, when they revealed that Rancor with all the articulation, I, I said, you make that a hundred bucks in three and three quarter. I will buy that all day. Mm-hmm. I I will because I have um, the the Rancor that came in that Toys R Us pack in the three and three quarter inch Black Series where it had the the Rancor, Jabba, yeah, and then a couple figures with it. Luke, yep. Yeah, I, I I bought it mainly for that uh, for that Rancor, and because i think it was the only way we had that updated one they they did the force unleashed one which of course was a different deco um but it was the most up-to-date rancor i think kind of sucks mm-hmm, with the arms that the the arms move. just seem way too long and you you can't stand him i mean the original kenner one you could stand him yeah it's like this one you have to have him almost like knuckle dragging forward yeah um the the joints on the legs are kind of loose so you know he he doesn't want to stand right a horrible horrible figure man you super articulate that thing that's what would excite me talking about the anniversary of jedi all they need to do is downscale the model they have i will be on board day one for that thing because the rancor is still one of the coolest sci-fi creatures ever 100 percent. they just made it for the wrong scale yep but it came with drool and cardboard <laughs> oh, oh oh yeah it had a couple bones in <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> and then some it, it was like well, I, could, I could get a couple bones after eating some chicken wings <laughs> 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 that, that doesn't cost me anything i don't yeah. need a has just, lab for just that. boil them and clean them and there you go all right you get the 80 cents thing. on yeah. a tuesday you know <laughs> So, oh, so, so basically uh you know what we're what the conclusion we're coming to is at no point soon are we going to get to see an alligator turtle oh, done in any scale no. i wish yeah great dragon yeah. mythosaur although to be fair uh yeah. if you start if you feel confident with beasts eric i think everyone would you know collectively unclench their butts and sigh in relief if we could get a blurg at some point <laughs> I, I've I've thought about. I mean, I know there's some other people that have 3D printed ones out there, and um, you know, kind of going back to what we were saying about like, three, you know, all the vendors and stuff. Now, um, I remember there was something I said. No, I think I think it was the Cantina when I first revealed that I was thinking about doing that, and someone was like, "Well, I don't know what the demand would be. There's a lot of other people that have 3D printed ones out there." And I said, if that was my criteria for whether I make something or not, I would just pack it in and never make anything again. Because there's a there's a friend of mine that when Obi-Wan came out, you know, it came out, I think, on Wednesday. By the end of that weekend, he had already downloaded and printed a file of that Lola droid. Yeah. And it was like, so you have people that literally, as soon as they see a picture of something, They're, they want to be the very first person out there to have it. And I'm like, I can't make that my mentality Yeah, that I have to be the first one. It's like, no, I just have to do it right 
and when the time's right and make sure the quality's good um and make sure it's something people even want because there's a lot of people they'll jump on something thinking oh this is going to be the next big thing and then it's like "Eh, no nobody really (laughs) cares about that um well i you know when you when you talk about sort of the proliferation of 3d printers and all these other people that that make um you know accessory pieces or or 3d printed stuff um i've i've noticed over the years that actually most of the um accessory pieces like for example weapons or backpacks or helmets or heads or uh you know armor pieces or you know stuff that can interact with figures directly um you know not so much the environmental pieces and vehicles but like stuff that goes on or with a figure um most of the stuff that's offered on the market out there is actually for six inch and it's very frustrating to me because i'm like man i would love to buy that for three and three quarter inch but most of them actually don't offer stuff for uh three and three quarter so when i find a seller that makes stuff for you know 3.75 it's it's very exciting to me and so um you know, businesses like yours, uh, I value very much and I appreciate very much. Um, and you, you know, you, like I said earlier, you do a, a great service to the community by, um, offering the stuff that you do. So really appreciate you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks. Um, you know, as far as what you were saying with like, like beasts, I, I really got to give credit to some people or some people out there that are amazing with, uh, sculpting and stuff. And, and that could be whether, whether they're doing it in 3d or whether they're doing it by hand that's like uh that's something i think i think my skills could probably use some improvement on there's some people that just have uh you know whether it's pen paper whatever they can do those organic shapes like me i'm an okay drawer uh i have a, a a technical background with like autocad and stuff like that so it's like i can do an okay job at drawing a spaceship or yeah. modeling a spaceship or something with you know hard lines and things yeah. like that but something like a human face or a body like i try to draw if i try to draw a character like it would look like it would look okay for a grade school kid but you know <laughs> the, the shoulders would look like they're attached to the front of the chest or something like that's always a problem i've had <laughs> yeah i get that i get that it, it, and and so even when you're doing 3d sculpting or something like that i definitely think i would be better doing a beast by hand hand yeah. sculpting something i think i would do better at that than trying a 3d an organic shape you know people that could do that it's like wow that that amazes me but i've thought about blurred because they're just kind of a very blob yeah <laughs> they're just kind of a very blobby short sort of shape <laughs> um but yeah the fact we don't have one of those is is yeah uh, once again it's one of those no-brainer things it's kind of bizarre yeah, yeah the years are like slipping away re- everything's really late right yeah. now like um you know, it's like we're going to be getting Obi-Wan figures, you know, when Andor comes out. We're going to be getting Andor figures when Mando Season 3 is coming out. Yeah. And Book of it, Boba Fett a year and a half after the show ends. Yeah, and I I honestly, like, I don't know who's to blame for that. Like, is that because Disney yeah. and Lucasfilm play everything so close to chest? Because it yep. didn't seem like 
there was a switch when Disney took them over, but by the same token, when Force Awakens came out, there was Force Awakens stuff on the shelf. Yeah. Okay. So why is it when Mando comes out, there's not stuff on the shelf? And I think that that in some ways really hurts their sales oh, yeah. to a degree Big too. Time. Because you have like this delayed excitement where now everything is, oh, hey, yay, I can pre-order something because I'll never yeah. see it in stores. Or when I see it in stores around me, it's after I've already had it in my hand for a couple months because I bought it from Big Bad Toy Store. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's uh, it, it's kind of baffling that they can't get that stuff out. Yeah, it's it's like you were saying with the person having Lola by the end of the week uh, ready to go, where Hasbro says, isn't they've told us face to face where we see things when you see things. And it's like, great. So you should be tripping over yourself to make the thing that that is getting everybody really excited. Like, you know, there's no reason Luke Skywalker at the end of the Mandalorian should have taken almost two years to get a partial retool out for that. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's just been obnoxiously long time. Anyways. I hate to wrap it up, but I think we should probably head that direction. Um, Tyler, was there anything else you wanted to to ask Eric? Uh, I'm good. I know Chewie's getting very impatient. So, uh, <laughs> For sure. but um, Eric, uh, is there anything else you'd like to discuss? Actually, let me let me just say, um, where can people find you? Um, yes, you know what? Uh, obviously, your your website and uh, any social media that you have, um, where people can you know can find your your company and your work uh the, the main one would be uh facebook if they search for hole in the ground productions on facebook that's one i'm the most active one which is to say not very often um i recently started instagram again i'm not on there very often i mainly i'm mainly on social media when it when i come out with something new or i'm plugging something new um i i even opened up uh a Twitter, which I think I've only maybe posted to like three times. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's kind of like <laughs> when you're doing something as a business, you're kind of obligated to try to be a lot of different places. Yes. But I'm, I hate doing it because it takes away from everything else. And with my business, like managing my website and updating that, like that's all me. Like I do a hundred percent of everything for the most part. So, um, you know, finding time to just chat and plug like I could I could so use just a social media person where I could just say, OK, here's a photo. Can you just post this everywhere? I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> That's literally part of my job. At, yeah. uh, at so, work. <laughs> so I'm always telling people on my Facebook, they message me through Facebook and I'm like, it might be a week till I see this message. If you email me, I will see it probably within an hour because I check my email relentlessly all day so that is if someone wants to contact me and they like one of my pages or whatever but they want to get a hold of me the best way to do it is via email um the only other thing i would add is uh if you don't mind me plugging my podcast that i not do not at all not, not at all. all um i i have one uh called kessel run collecting we're not real big we're definitely not the vintage collection podcast uh but we had we had started out uh, primarily doing YouTube because that was easy and we could just like stream to that uh, me and my friend Matt um, and 
we're for the most part focused on three and three quarter inch uh we occasionally dip in other stuff like like he collects a little bit of boss fight studios and i'll sometimes pick up like jurassic park or halo or something like that but one of the things that we try to do on our show is guest stuff because there's a lot of shows that all talk about whatever the latest thing is yeah. or hey what what did you get recently and we do that too as well we do some of that but um a lot of what interests me is what fans are doing or what people within the collecting community are doing just like you're doing with me right now interviewing me right now um that's one of the things that uh we like doing and so like recently uh the last guest we had on i um i believe was matthew cohen who is uh goes under shooting the galaxy and he actually works for hasbro doing some of the vintage collection photography uh we we had him on for an interview we've had on uh Silov, who's well-known uh figure customizer does like amazing work um and, and so we've had like a lot of customizers and people in the collecting community but you know we also talk about the stuff that we all do you know what yeah. we like and what came out uh so if anyone wants to check that out we we recently switched over now we do more audio stuff uh we have that on uh spotify and apple podcast we do an audio podcast and then sometimes what we'll do is i'll take like portions of the show and add some video to them and then put them on youtube because sometimes we're talking about someone we're like hey there's this really cool thing you made okay it would be nice to be able to show that off so yeah, yeah. we'll have that so um maybe maybe we'll have to uh pay, pay you back and have you guys on our show at some point <laughs> we're always around you know where to find us yep <laughs> sweet i think uh pretty good place to wrap up um just one one final thing eric any words of wisdom to the fellow collectors out there or any final passing thought for you oh i don't i don't know i think i'm all out of thoughts i'm Same. i'm a long-winded person where i can talk forever about almost anything yeah. so <laughs> well on a podcast that's a good thing so yeah on a podcast is good i i sometimes feel bad like if someone's interviewing me i'm like are they probably thinking man would this guy shut up like i was thinking <laughs> i was thinking he was gonna be on for half hour he's still talking after two hours you know <laughs> there's worse problems to have we'll just say that yeah yeah Sweet. this has been fun though um Thanks for coming on, Eric. We really appreciate you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Thank and, you. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. And doors always open. Great. Great. All righty, gang. Uh, thanks again to Eric for taking the time to sit down and chat with us about Star Wars, customizing, life, all that fun stuff. Um, just a little bit of housekeeping here at the end of the show. Uh, the usual whole, hey, gang. If you like the show, would you consider please dropping a rating and review in your chosen podcast platform? It does really help us out. Other than that, uh, stay tuned. We will hopefully be having a couple more episodes uh, heading your way here with a little more regularity. Uh, life has just been, you know, life. All right. On that note, that does it for this episode of the SWTVC podcast. As always... Back TVC, finish the 96, keep 375 alive, and may the force be with you.